Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, your host, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we set out for Proverbs 25. Now, as we travel together, King Solomon provides us with some profound insight into the heart of God, into his righteousness, justice, grace, and mercy. And we'll hear more in just a minute. But first, if you're a new listener, I want to take a minute to just say hello. We're so glad that you're going to be a part of our listening family that today spans the globe and speaks more than 250 languages around the world. So as you journey with us through God's Word, here are a few quick things that we think might help you out. First, this five-year tour of God's Word alternates. It goes between the Old and New Testaments, back and forth, teaching from every book and every chapter. And as I just mentioned, today we're in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. But you know, it really doesn't matter where you start. You just hop aboard, and in five years you'll make it through the entire Bible. Second, we provide Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for free, along with a bunch of other resources on our site. And you can download them individually or get them all in one great and, again, free book called Briefing the Bible. And if you don't want to call us or write for that, you can always download yours right now and find out how to get a printed version by going to ttb.org forward slash Briefing the Bible. Or if we can help you find it, just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Third, if you like to listen on the go, well, visit our website at ttb.org and check out your many listening options. We've got apps, we've got station listings, a USB flash drive, and so much more. You know, Dr. McGee's studies are available in just about any format that works for you. And ttb.org is also where you can catch up on messages that you've missed, or it's also a great place to direct friends so that they can listen with you. And last, no matter how long you've been on the Bible bus, did I mention that that's what Dr. McGee's nickname is for this five-year study? Well, we'd certainly love to hear from you. Is there maybe a specific study or passage that we've gone through together that's changed and challenged you? How is God using these studies together to grow your faith? You know, we love to hear those stories. For instance, a listener named Paul recently shared this. Hello, fellow travelers. I'm a truck driver in Louisiana. I drive throughout the southeast United States during the week, and I'm home on the weekends with my wife and two daughters. The road can be very isolated and lonely. It's like being in a mobile, solitary confinement cell sometimes. One thing I started doing months ago is listening to Dr. McGee through the app. My wife began to listen, too. Although we listen to the daily broadcast at different times, at night, we discuss it together. Each lesson is a great springboard for conversation about the things of God. Fellowshipping with my wife in the Word has not only been a great comfort to me on the road, but it's also deepened our marriage and brought us closer together. I know a lot of drivers struggle with loneliness, so I want to encourage your listeners who have trucker family members to listen to Dr. McGee. We're thankful for the program and gladly contribute to keep the Bible bus rolling along the highway. May God richly bless all of you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks for writing to us, and thanks for the encouragement and for your support of the Bible bus. May God bless you in your travels. So what's your story? Why don't you share it? If you use Facebook, you can post it on our Facebook page. You can always email us at BibleBus at ttb.org or send your note via mail to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would fill our hearts with the great joy and satisfaction that only comes from treasuring you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's now open to Proverbs 25 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Proverbs 25 brings us to a new section, a new division here in the book of Proverbs. These are Proverbs of Solomon that are set in order by the man of Hezekiah. And we're so told here 
in the first verse. These are also proverbs of Solomon, which the man of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. And the Septuagint calls it the friends of Hezekiah, are the ones that collected these proverbs of Solomon. Now, here we have a very wonderful verse. Verse 2, "...it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter." This is the way the proverb says what the Lord Jesus said, "...search the Scriptures." Paul said, "...study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." But the Lord Jesus said, "...search the Scriptures." And that is the thing that we are to do, to search out a matter. But even then, we need to recognize that there are a great many things that God has not revealed to us at all. I doubt whether we'd be able to understand them. They're inscrutable. They are beyond the comprehension of man. As he made it very clear, the heavens are high above the earth. He says, so are his ways and his thoughts that much higher than ours. But therefore, what is revealed, we should study it. We should consider it. And that, I think, is very important for us to keep in mind because we need to recognize that, that we need to search the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. And the heaven is for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. You can't understand God's ways. Sometimes you don't understand what our rulers do either, but they probably have justification for it, and they know something that we do not know. Therefore, we are never to sit in judgment upon what God does because of the fact that whatever God does, of course, is right. It is the thing that is the proper thing. Now we want to drop on down to verse 4. "...take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the lawless from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness." The worst thing, I think, that can happen to any individual is to have an evil advisor, someone that leads you into difficult and trouble and to sin. I thank God for a man in my life that led me away from that because there was a man that had led me the wrong direction. And then to have another man come along and lead me in the right way. And to think of what that means to a man in high position, a man that makes a decision, even in business, that would affect a great many employees or a man in government. It would affect a great segment of the population. How important it is to have the right kind of advisors around. Now we are told in verse 6, "...display not thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For better is it that it be said unto thee, Come up hither." then that thou shouldst be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Remember, the Lord Jesus gave a parable that illustrates this great truth. 
And he did it because of the fact the religious rulers in his day were paying no attention to this proverb at all. A man gave a dinner, and he invited a great many of his friends to it. He was a great man, but he had certain ones that he wanted to have a very high place. And so when he made the dinner, the dinner bell was rung. There was a mad rush to get the best places at the table. And they almost turned the thing over, I imagine, as they rushed in to get the most prominent places. The Lord Jesus, who was present there that day, apparently waited till everyone else had gone in. Then he said something to them. He said, when you're invited to a dinner, don't try to get the best place. You purposely get the lowest place. Then the one that's invited you comes in and sees you taking the lowest place, and you are his honored guest. He'd say to you, come on up here. Now, maybe someone else had taken that place. And the host taps him on the shoulder and said, you go down and take the lowest place. This idea of pushing yourself. There are those that are very pushy. We hear that. They're pushy in Christian circles. They're ambitious. They want to get ahead in Christian things. May I say the tragedy is that that is in Christian circles. In the world, you can't maybe blame a man in the business world from trying to get ahead, but not in Christian work. It ought not to be. Then in verse 8, he says, "'Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame.'" Now again, the Lord Jesus gave a parable You remember about that. He says, when a king is ready to go forth to war, he ought to sit down and see whether he's going to be able to get the victory. And if he sees that he can't carry on the warfare, then he ought to send an ambassador to make a peace treaty with the enemy. You can't do that. And you have an illustration in life in the Old Testament of this. Remember, King Josiah was a great king. And he led the last great revival that Israel had. There was a great turning back to God under his leadership. But you know, he made one grave mistake. Somehow or another, just one flaw sometimes spoils the life of an otherwise great man. And Josiah was a great man. Oh, he was outstanding man and a man of God. But you remember when Pharaoh Necho came up to make war, not against Josiah at all, but against an altogether different enemy. And Pharaoh Necho said to Josiah when he came out against him, he said, Now look, I didn't come up to fight you. I don't want to fight you. But this man Josiah, and he was a young man, I tell you, he went out to fight. I guess he thought it was the Lord's will. A great many always blame the Lord for what they do, you see, that's wrong. And he lost. In fact, he got in real trouble. Tell the truth, he was killed in the battle there at Megiddo, where the war of Armageddon will be fought. And this man, Josiah, he made a big mistake by meddling. And he should not, of course, have ever done that at all. That is the thing that the Lord is saying here. Now we find in verse 9, I'm reading it, "...debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, 
and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Now, you could cause a great deal of trouble by repeating to your neighbor something about the fact that you've heard a certain thing, but don't tell it to the man down the street. Tell it to your neighbor if he has fault. You'll get in trouble if you begin to talk about your neighbors to other people. Go and talk to them personally. And then here is a lovely verse. It's a very wonderful verse. As apples of gold in pictures of silver, so is a word fitly spoken. Isn't that a lovely one? That is just a beautiful thing. And by the way, the apple here, and maybe I ought to take a moment to say that, the apples of gold. Now, we do have a golden, delicious apple, but apparently the fruit that is referred to here is the orange. And the orange, as well as other citrus, was common and native to Israel. They grow there today some of the finest oranges in the world. And so you find that as being the fruit that evidently is mentioned here. And I tell you, it's a beautiful thing as an orange. Now, somebody's going to say, well, that's because you're in California and you're promoting oranges. Well, oranges at the time that Solomon gave that proverb, they were plentiful in Palestine. And they're being grown over there today. And you will find so many wonderful, as you go through the Word of God, just the right word is being said at the right time by certain individuals. And sometimes it's a good word, and sometimes a word of rebuke. But it is necessary. It's fitly spoken. It fits into the picture. It is the proper thing to say. And that is something that I think most of us ought to pray about, is what we should say at the proper time. And there are a lot of things that we need to recognize that we can just say the wrong thing at the right time. And there's some people seem to have the knack of saying the wrong thing at the right time. And they ought not to probably open their mouth to tell the truth. But when a word is fitly spoken, and I'm sure that you know some dear saint of God that just has a reputation of being able to say the right thing at the right time. There was a dear saint of God in the country in Middle Tennessee years ago that had a reputation of always saying something very nice to the preacher after every sermon. And very frankly, people would linger to hear what she's going to say because there were times they couldn't think of anything good to say about the sermon that they had heard. And so one time they had a visiting preacher, and he was just a little bit worse than any they'd ever had before. And the people, I tell you, were interested that morning. What in the world could she say nice to that preacher about the sermon he preached? And so when she went out, she said to him, Pastor, I want you to know that I did enjoy your sermon because this morning you had one of the most wonderful texts that there is in the Scripture. And believe me, friends, that was a word fitly spoken, and it was just like 
oranges that were in a frame, in a picture frame, in a frame of silver. And the orange and the silver blend very well, as you know. Now, we have here verse 12, and as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an attentive ear. And you've seen a beautiful earring in a woman's ear. And in our day, we've seen men wearing them, but I never saw one that I thought was attractive. But you have seen a woman wear a beautiful earring. Well, that is the proper thing that reveals the fact that there are times when a person should be reproved and should be rebuked. It's very important to see that because we're living in a day when if you say anything publicly, especially unkind, oh, people say, my, I tell you, you've lost the individual. You'll never be able to win them. Well, my friend, if they're the right kind of individual, you'll win them. And if they're the wrong kind, you wouldn't be able to win them anyway. And there are times that a reproof should be made. Now, verse 13, "...as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them who send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters." Now, in that day, they brought down snow from Mount Hermon, and they packed it and brought it down, and in time of harvest, and it gets hot in that land. I tell you, that snow was good. How wonderfully it tasted. Well, that is what a faithful messenger is. No wonder the Lord is going to say to some, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we like to have faithful people. A man wants a faithful wife. He loves his faithful children. He wants faithful employees. If he's a pastor, he wants a faithful staff and a faithful people. And the people want a faithful pastor. Faithful is a very wonderful thing. And it's just like having a good cold drink on a hot day to have someone that's faithful. Now, verse 14, "...whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain." We've had that before. And I used to get, when I was pastor, letters from men that would tell me, about how wonderful they were. A man wrote, I remember one time, he said he was an evangelist, he was a Bible teacher, he was a singer, he was a pianist. He could do everything, and he wanted to come hold a meeting. And I read the letter, and the officers of the church began to laugh. And they said to me, why don't you invite him? Why, I said, I'd never invite that man for two reasons. The first reason is, if he's the kind of a man he says that he is, why, after our people here had heard him, they'd never want to hear me again. And I'm not going to invite him. And the second reason is, I have a notion that we have a man here that's boasting of a gift that he does not have. What a picture that is. And that is the picture of the apostates in the last days. You remember Jude describes them in the most vivid language, he speaks of them as being clouds without water, raging waves of the sea, just foaming out their own shame. Now, as we move on down into this passage here, verse 16, "...hast thou found honey 
eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. Now, may I say to you, in the Old Testament, honey illustrates natural sweetness. There was no honey permitted in the bread or meal offering. And that offering speaks of Christ, speaks of the human Jesus, if you please. And there was no natural sweetness in it. Have you ever met anybody that they're so sweet? You know, they say so many sweet things, almost makes you sick. Well, notice what it says here. Don't take in too much honey, because it'll make you sick at your tummy. Now, verse 17. Oh, this is a good one. Let thy foot be seldom in thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and hate thee. Don't spend too much time at the neighbor's. That's what he's saying here, and that's very important. Or you may overhear sometime a conversation in the kitchen between the lady of the house and someone that's back there and say, I wish that old gossip would go home and stay home, and it's better not to wear your welcome out in a place, you see. That's what he's saying here. Now, in verse 18, a man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. We've had that before us before. Now, verse 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Judas was a bad toothache, and he was foot trouble. He was both of them. And there are a lot of folk like that, as you well know. You've met them, I'm sure. Then as we move on down here, verse 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Now the Lord Jesus gave that. And also, you find that Paul gives this also. It's very important. Verse 24, it's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Now, that's been before us before here, and it's important to see. Someone has raised the question, is this grounds for divorce also? I've often wondered about that, but we'll not go into it at all. Verse 25, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And by the way, have you heard from home lately? Or have you written home to mother? That's a very important thing, you know. It's something we should do. But there's something far greater in that than meets the eye. There's come good news from a far country. The Lord Jesus said, I've come forth from the Father. I'm coming to the world again. I leave the world and I go to the Father. But in that brief period of time, when, as John Wesley said, God was contracted to a span, he wrought out your salvation and mine. That's the good news that's come to us from a far country. Have you received it? Have you accepted it? will be the water of life. It's cold water to a thirsty soul. And we're going to leave off right there. Next time, we'll pick up with the 26th chapter of Proverbs. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Well, those are important questions, aren't they? 
Have you received Him? Have you accepted Him? If you haven't, you can learn more about God's great love for you and His gracious offer of eternal life at ttb.org. Just click on How Can I Know God? There you'll find several resources that Dr. McGee has made available, free digital booklets and sermons that we've set aside just for you. Or if you prefer to receive a couple of these resources by mail, you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. And ttb.org is also the place to visit if you want to spend more time in this section of God's Word. I suggest that you start by downloading our free Bible companion for Proverbs. I love these Bible companions. They truly are a game changer for any serious student of the Bible. Or if you're looking for something to use with your small group, I highly recommend it. Again, that address is ttb.org. Or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. How should we respond when we've been disappointed by someone we respect? Well, that's what we'll learn next time as our journey through the Old Testament book of Proverbs continues. I'm Steve Sweat, so grateful for your company on the Bible bus and your partnership in taking God's whole word to the whole world. Well, ride the Bible bus for five years and you'll be amazed at what God teaches you from his word about what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a blessing that keeps on going. That's what we believe at Through the Bible.